The issues and views discussed on the Roll Call Room podcast are the sole opinions of the guest or host and do not reflect the views of any agencies or government offices. Persons discussed on the show may be fictional or exaggerated for comedic purposes. The Roll Call Room podcast is not responsible for any injuries sustained while listening to include but not limited to busting a gut, laughing until you cry, nausea, crying until you laugh, alcohol poisoning, and a sudden and intense dislike for those named Steve. Please use caution while operating a motor vehicle, as the podcast is not liable for any traffic violations or damage. This podcast is rated explicit, and listener discretion is advised. Epstein didn't kill him. you keep going why do you keep going there's two sides of pain there's one side of pain that's the suffering and the discomfort side of pain but then there's another side of pain that's called effort it's called glory it's called if you can find a way to push through pain there's something greater on the other side of it if the enemy within is controlled, then the enemy outside can do you no harm. It's time to say enough is enough. Stop feeling this way about yourself. Stop letting years and years of negative shit affect who you are now. You have the power to stop it. You gotta put your foot down and say that's it. Enough is enough. No longer am I gonna listen to that voice inside my head telling me I'm nothing, telling me I'm weak, telling me I'm useless. And today, and from every day after today, I'm gonna start fighting back. I'm gonna start doing what I wanna do with strength and pride. I'm gonna take on the world because that's what I'm made to do. That's what's inside me. You ain't the only one that feels or has ever felt helpless before, let me tell you. We've all been there, but what happens up until this point means nothing. It's what you do from this point on that's gonna determine in the rest of your life. You can either be a victim of your life or the master of it, but the choice, that's down to you. When you lose, that's an opportunity to improve. That's not the time that you go sit over in the corner and feel sorry for yourself and make excuses to why you lost. You gotta own the reasons that you lost. It's time to take ownership. Take full ownership of your time, of your mind, of your day. It won't be easy. It will be hard because life is hard. And these challenges, they're going to do their best to take you down. Do not let them stand up, dig in, line up those problems and confront them. Fight them. Do not let them bring you down. In fact, let the adversity you face today turn you into a better person tomorrow. Lay hold of it. And when that thing tells you to quit, you look at it in his eye and say, I ain't going nowhere. I will break you before you break me. You will not defeat me. You will not destroy me. Some of you are so ignorant. You've been through so much hell. You gonna quit now? You should have quit 10 years ago. You don't quit now, it's the 10th round. And when you get to a certain level of success, it's about stamina. It's about you won't break me. You can't take me. I fought too long, I fought too hard, it's too late now. You should have broke me a long time ago. I'm unbreakable now.
So in the future, you look back at these struggles and you say to them, thank you. You made me better. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Roll Call Room Podcast. And now your host, Nick and Mike. Epstein didn't kill himself. Friday, finally get in here. Yeah, bro. Jeez, dude, I am super excited. We have our first in studio guest. Fucking honored. The casting, the casting couch. uh, I mean the um, (laughs) the. uh, Oh shit! I didn't sign up for that. uh, (laughs) Yeah, you did. (laughs) All right, and move that GoPro. Um, so we have uh, Medic Bobby is in here as promised. So uh, happy to be here. Thanks we man. only talked about it nine episodes ago and we finally yeah. got him in here. Not at his, not because of him, but there's just so much content that we needed to cover. Yeah. Uh, let's start off. Um, Mike, 10,000 uh, listeners. Yeah. yeah, yeah Big celebration. Congrats, guys. That's you awesome. Did, man. That's incredible. 10K. 10K. That's incredible. I mean, all of that money that I spent um, uh, using factory workers in China to, uh, <laughs> to listen around the United States. How's that? What paying that off. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Hire them out. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. rollcallroom.com. <laughs> oh, there goes every license <laughs> you ever had. And... What? Yeah. We. It's like we get legal advice, and he's just like, <laughs> ah, "Fuck your legal hey, device." You know what? Hey, man. If uh, everything's off the table after leaders two, brah. Yeah. So. Let's. Um. So. So later, uh, leaders two. Uh. Let's see. What is there's there's a. Do you remember you shake, taping? Hold on, it? hold on. You like. We shake the tree. Let's shake up the tree and see what falls. Oh, it, we got think we drew up a bull throw, bulldozer through the side of the tree. And yeah, there's a, a difference between falling out shaking of that tree. it and like, you know, those videos where like rednecks um, hook up a chain to a tree and then pull their pickup truck. <laughs> That's what we did. Um, yeah, yeah. Some people really down. got uh, upset. Uh, and well, I, I flustered. think. Yeah, I think I think some self reflection happened, and I think oh, yeah. oh, I don't uh, think any self reflection happened at all. Yeah, actually. I don't think I don't think they learned from anything from leaders. Again, leaders is not, it's not. It, we didn't do anything wrong. Leaders was nothing but truth. Again, we're not spreading hate. We're spreading facts. Yeah. So we didn't do anything wrong in leaders. It's it is what it is. Fix it. Be a better person. I don't think we we should have touched on this as far as. What's good is to see people change yeah. for the better, right? And I guys have. that were Steve's or yeah. guys that were like shit bags and like they fall on the sword and they're like, hey, you know, why, I, why are you pointing at me? Easy guy, relax. I'm, I'm it's your first day tar- here. Yeah, Calm no, down. I'm, I'm a little bit upset. I feel targeted. <laughs> you know, you're fine. Relax. You're in good uh, company. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, but it just, if when they become better and they do better, then that's fine. Change, bro. Yeah. Don't get mad 
because you heard something that's factual and now you feel a certain way and now all of a sudden you want to take everything personal that comes on this podcast and it's it's ridiculous because it's a cultural thing it's not you there's other guys like you doing the same freaking thing but that's that's been law enforcement for as far back as catching al capone you know, like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. it's just the culture. I wrote this down. I read it to you when you're on, you think- when you were on your way to the, the studio and I wrote this down and I said, you know, officers are awake. We are holding you accountable, which is our command staff. And I'm not just talking about us. I'm talking about across the United Speaking States. Speaking for the, your, the foot soldiers. Right. Yeah, foot, we know you, uh, we know you need us more than we need you. And that's a fact because recruitment is so low right now across the United States. Uh, we are your customers and customer satisfaction is at an all time low. Yes, 100 percent. The poor leadership is no longer acceptable and we deserve better. You hold us to a high standard and standard and we expect nothing lo- but the but nothing less than that from you. Yeah. And I think what's happening is, is that officers across the United States between getting shit thrown at them, um, their food spit in, we're not getting service. And we're going to talk about yeah. Starbucks in a minute. Yeah. Um, people are tired of it. I can't vent outside of work. I can't say yeah. that I'm angry. And then so what I do is I bottle it. And I'm not talking about me. I'm speaking for the general uh, law enforcement professionals. Um, you bottle it up and you bottle it up. And then before you know it, you're sitting on the edge of your bedroom uh, bed. Uh, you're sitting yeah. at the edge of your bed yeah. with your duty weapon in your hand. Yeah. And that's why we have, you have up on the screen right now, 212 suicides that we know it was of. like 201 last week, dude. That we know of. That's fucked up. Really? 11 in one Here, week? Here's, a, here's another thing. It was like thing. two weeks ago when we shot it. It was whatever last, remember it was 201. Yeah. Do me a favor, Mike, on your mm-hmm. laptop right there. Pull up officer down. Tell oh, me yeah. how many officers have been have been killed in the line of duty. I think it's it's less than hundred. It's I'm half. Sure. Yeah, I already checked it, but I want you to I want you to verify what I'm what I'm saying. So we know how many suicides, and this is what we know. This is what we know right now, and that's being reported. What about mm-hmm. the ones that we don't know about? What are the ones? What about the ones that are being classified as something different? hundred and twelve. Yeah, line of duty deaths. Nope. It's we got to do better than that, man. We got to do better than that. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent, man. I mean, again, I think, you know, we were joking in here a couple of minutes ago about being on the slippery slope with leaders too. I think we're like the, uh, Jamaican bobsled team. On the slope <laughs> that we're, <on. laughs> we're like full speed ahead boys. <laughs> hey, you know what, man? To each his own, bro. What kind of men are we if we don't speak the truth? You know what I mean? You're leaving a legacy behind for your kids. You know, I was thinking when you started talking about the numbers here, about being 112 with the uh, line of duty deaths, you know, when they talk about below 100, they never really mention mm-hmm. suicides. No, it's about, and, and that, yeah. and let me tell you something, That's that right. class was phenomenal. That below yeah. 100, oh, if you haven't taken that class, class, man, those of you that have not taken the class, so there was a training um, a below 100, and it's basically a preventative um, stuff that you could prevent, like cruiser accidents are out of control. Fatality cruiser accidents for law enforcement is out of control. Um, they had this class and the instructor was talking about an officer that was texting and driving, um, who killed, who hit a car and killed, uh, a daughter, uh, um, two sisters, a pa- driver and a passenger. Right. Yeah. And then he go, he goes through the whole thing, shows these slideshows and he goes, and now I want to introduce their mom. That's yeah. I've seen dude, that, yeah. I, you were next to me. Yeah. You looked yeah, at me and yeah. I looked at you and I was like, that's fucked up. Yeah. yeah. That's just. 
Yeah, that's yeah, fucked yeah. up, bro. Yeah, but so why why aren't we talking about suicides when we go to that class? Because we're not. that's another thing you could probably prevent in some ways, right? Yes. I mean, like you could have the infrastructure, yeah. the, the the means, the systems. I here's a challenge to you, um, Bobby. When you get done and this episode comes out, I want you to tell us how many officers within our agency come up to you that now that you're in the, these four walls yeah. and you're laying your soul down right in this episode. My soul. Let me tell you something. How many officers come and come up to you and say? Hey, I'm fucking struggling. Yeah, I'm yeah. struggling and no. EAP ain't doing it for me because three, three counseling sessions is not enough. No, that's not enough. And I, I want somebody that's personally invested in my mental health. Not somebody that's just checking off boxes. Yeah. And I'm not shitting on EAP because maybe some other people's EAP is okay. Yeah. But speaking from somebody that's tried to use it several times. It didn't work for me. Yeah, an EAP employee assistance program. It's essentially it's a number that you contact. It's an eight hundred number where if you're struggling, you got something going on. You're supposed to have a bunch of services and stuff to be able to step in and help you out, so you don't go off the deep end with all your problems. But some are better than others. Um, I've never had to use EAP. I've used EAP for, you know, um, two of my officers that came to me about stuff, mm. and I had to go outside the box and and do some things and get things done to um, get them the services they needed, but. They were scared, man. They didn't want to come forward. They were worried that they were going to lose their jobs. Yeah. And they were worried about the repercussions after the fact. They were like, you know, do I got to notify, you know, the agency? Do I got to do this? Do I got to do that? You know, and I'm like, just get the help. Yeah. Who gives a fuck about the job? Get the help. Imagine if we can bring back those two, 211 that have already committed suicide and we could debrief them and say, if we made no. it easier for you to come forward, would you have done it? Yeah. What, what could we have done differently? Exactly. Like, what could we have done to make right. it so that you didn't do what you did? Exactly. Well, that, I mean, it's crazy, man, because um, we're going to have a guest here soon in a little bit, and he's got a lot of knowledge on this stuff. And I've done, you know, I kind we're kind of jumping into mental health piece, but we kind of got away from leaders too. Um, but I wanted to go back to leaders too real quick before we jump into mental health because um, I started looking up some um, – some important people that said some important quotes and <laughs> that's a you super say super yeah, super you like cool. that important people said important <laughs> quotes bro yeah. uh, associate with men of good quality if you esteem your own reputation for it is better to be alone than in bad company ben george Frank washington oh damn it mm. what were you was, gonna say i thought it was gonna be ben franklin i was just guessing where the fuck did Frank, ben franklin come from bro listen to this i just figured he was that was who said it uh, he said some <laughs> good there was some good shit he had on there but i didn't write yeah, it down see? You can't build a reputation on what you're going to do. Mm. Henry Ford. Woohoo! Mm, that's deep. Damn. Maybe it might be time for Ford to sponsor us instead of Chevy. Because <laughs> yeah. I got to tell you, they ain't answering. Uh, character is like a tree and reputation like a shadow. The shadow is what we think of it. The tree is the real thing. Mm. Abraham Lincoln. Mm. I like oh, it. Fire. Mm. It's legit, man. So let's, got, uh, you know, leaders, leaders, two, man, you know, leaders, two, leaders, one. You know, if you got a fucking problem, leaders, two, leaders, one. If you're a commander listening to the show, then listen to it again. Yeah. And again, mm -hmm. and again, mm -hmm. and again, till you stop getting mad about it. Go see your priest or your rabbi and then listen to it again. Mm -hmm. Pray on it. Listen to it again. Mm -hmm. And then maybe we'll get somewhere with you. Because it's not our fault that we're calling it like it is. It's the truth is the truth. Mm -hmm. We're not making this shit up. Yeah. It's our personal experience that we're dealing with. Why? Because it all ties back to the mental health aspect of it. Yes. You know, it needs to be set. Yeah. Because everyone that everyone thinks you got a hundred people in the room, but no one says anything about the fucking purple sheep in the corner of the room. Yeah. Because nobody wants to be that guy. Because I think the the leaders 
the leaders that are struggling right now are not comfortable with uncomfortable uncom- conversations. Yeah, because they've never been challenged. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. like Caesar, man. They sit up on that throne and no one says anything to them about mm-hmm. anything and they just rain on everybody else. Mm-hmm. But everybody's miserable and it affects them in their personal lives. And like I talked to someone, a couple of officers, man, and this is like, this is why I started doing a bunch of research on PTSD um, this last week to try to get more information. I'm not a therapist. I'm a licensed fucking psychologist. But this is you something. to me. Oh, uh, thanks, buddy. But this is something that we need to educate ourselves more on because like to go to Bobby's point back to the mental health piece. When he said, what more we could we have done? Mm-hmm. I know that our sex crime detectives, they have to take screens every six months to see if, you know, child pornography really? I they see is fucking them up. I didn't know that. Yeah, they have to get screened every six months. So why wouldn't we do that for every officer? That's a PTSD screen. Why wouldn't we do that? To see where you're at. Anonymous. You know what I mean? Like a screening just to see why how bad it is, bro. You know it has to be money. I mean, I think about it. It's, I mean, <clears throat> I'm not saying that they shouldn't, but I'm saying like, think of the the, the cost of not mm. only time. But, 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 but Bobby, we pay to vesting. calibrate radars twice a year. I know. I'm, yeah. <laughs> we, are, we don't calibrate our brains? Yeah, it's just to kind of gauge and see. That's it, it, that's, well, what, that's how we should do it, man. Go and, I, and I'll also make the point, too, that. We, we certify more often on a firearm than we should, right? Yeah. So maybe we could use some of that money because we're not using our firearms. We're not. I mean, we're just not, right? So we use that time and that money to maybe have like a yearly, I don't know, PTSD check. Right. I don't even think we need to use a budget from any agency. I think that if we get an outside source, and that's why I'm telling you. Who's not going to do it pro bono? Exactly. That's why I'm telling you and I'm telling our listeners that's going to be, we're in the middle of trying to create this nonprofit. Yeah. Because that's what's going to get us to that next level. Because yeah. people, you know, Bobby's a vet, fucking Semper Fi, you know what yeah. I mean? He's a vet. He's got the military. There's like a lot of, why did it get so long to get for the military to get it? Because it got so bad, bro. Yeah. How many wars did our our warriors have to go through before they got the services they need? There's and they're still, still fighting for yeah, the yeah, services they're needing. So. Yeah. They're still fucking it up. But at least it's more like Wounded Warrior. Yeah, you got these yeah. outside third-party com- private companies that are actually taking and investing their money yeah. and saying, we need to do better for these guys and girls and stuff like that. So yeah. we we need that on our end. Yeah. Because what I learned recently, and I, I sent you that video with PTSD. Loved it. Was that there's two types of PTSD. There's, you know, there's PTSD that's like, you do a tour overseas, you see combat, you see your buddies blown up, you see shit happen in front of you, then you come home and you have to turn that off. That's P- You can't. Mm-hmm. You're up at night, you're having fucking problems, you're drinking, you're doing all this stuff. That's black and white PTSD. There's a thing called complex PTSD that I sent that I started researching. Mm. And that's years of small tidbits of PTSD. Taking away at the that wall. That build up, called cumulative. You know, like yes. it just starts to accumulate yeah. over time. And cumulative you're like, complex, and that's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because it's not one specific incident, but it's, a but it's of, multiple yes. incidents, whether it's, you know, an accident when injuries where the person ejected from the car. Yeah. Or, you know, shots fired or a suicide. And then at the and it's collectively over the years. But in that video, actually, they did a study on, um, they did a documentary on these cops in Wales. Mm-hmm. And I watched it, and this guy was like, his wife did the documentary, bro. It fucking tore me up because the wife was saying, you know, my my husband was this. He was a solid cop, solid dude. And it started chipping away at him, bro. Mm-hmm. It was chipping away at him to the point where the guy jumped off a cliff and committed suicide yeah. later on. But it was, there was a doctor weighing in mm-hmm. who was in this um, documentary, and he said that PTSD the the gauge it's a gauge right mm-hmm. more can take 
more than others. Some can take more than others, right? I we can hit we can hit the same call. It's not going to affect me like it's going to affect you. Yeah. But once it affects you to the point of no return, there's no coming back from that. Mm. So the gauge is different for everyone. Going back to the point, if we could do like every six months thing, bro, mm-hmm. where we're doing a PTSD screening just in the departments for the guys on the front line that see this, like, hey, where are you at? Yeah. It's just like the major, like, fucking LAPD, dude, Chicago, NYPD. Yeah. That's where you're going to find the underlying issues. Yeah. That's where you're going to see, oh, something's going on here. This is bad. Like, we need to fix this. We need to put more money towards this or we need to do whatever. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's that's what I learned from the fucking thing. I didn't understand, like, it made me self-reflect on my own self. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, okay, what has affected me through my career? What hasn't? Mm-hmm. And then how is that affecting my personal relationships? You know, like, you know, I don't know about you guys, but it takes me like a day to unwind from work mm-hmm. before I can like feel comfortable enjoying my family. And then you're right back the following day. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm. Is it, am I the only one? No, no, no you're no. not. No, you know what I'm saying? And like, that's the kind, and like yeah. when I started having this conversation with people at work, they're like, yo, bro, me too. And I'm like, but you don't, we don't talk about, like, no. we talk about every, we talk about the fucking Nationals winning the World Series, we talk about fucking jujitsu. we talk about whatever, bro. But no one's Epstein. having, yeah, Epstein not killing himself, which is true, this bullshit. <laughs> I did not do that. Yeah, exactly. Uh, bullshit, you know, morale issues, weak leadership. But no one's saying, hey, bro, you know, it takes me a day to like get grounded where I can enjoy my family. That's some real shit. Bro. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That needs to be those, those conversations need to be had more. Hey, um, but I don't know enough about my switching, ramp, switching uh, gears. Hey, uh, Bobby, did you hear my uh, Epstein impersonation? No, there it was. <laughs> well, one, one more time. Here we go. There we go. And okay, cool. Yeah, so that's him <laughs> hanging. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so we got uh, we got Bobby in here, um, f- f- medic now cop, uh, big transformation, right? Nah. No, no. So tell me, you're kidding. Give the fucking Bobby. Tell us about yourself, buddy. Yeah. Tell us oh, your man, sorry. I've never had a guest in yeah, here before. I so so All I interview is my mom. I just say shut up. <laughs> well, I love those things. So yeah. I feel like she's we, coming on no, later. Just, I'm gonna call my mom. She would fucking she'd lose it. She'd just tell us about you, man. A little bit out of your experience. Man. Why? How long you been a first responder? Right, why so, you made the leap from fire to police? Man, these are these are deep questions. So yeah. let me see if I can try it. Right. Well, first I was. Are you right? I was a marine. Ra, seventy five. Hell yeah! Five nice. years in the Marine Corps, 2002, 2007. Nice. Spent a little time overseas and did that thing for a while, and then got out and was like, well, what the hell am I gonna do now? Right. And I, I got out in 2007 where the, the economy was crashing. So I, I couldn't find a job for the life of me. Ended up going to school, got my, uh, used my GI Bill to get a paramedic. And I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to save lives, right? Mm-hmm. So I got my paramedic and got hired by a fire department. Yeah, there mm-hmm. you go. There you mm-hmm. go. And, uh, and before then, I was doing volunteer work because you have to do volunteer work in order to get hired. So I was volunteering nearby, and then I ended up getting hired here, this area. And our blessed Commonwealth. Go ahead. <laughs> Not Schmeriland. <Yeah. laughs> we're going to get to that. Folks, whoever messaged me about calling it Schmeriland, we're going to get to it. <laughs> so, yeah, then I, uh, I do that for about five and a half years. And, you know, without saying too much, the administration over there was basically fucking paramedics really hard. Mm-hmm. So in an attempt to really do tell. Well, in an attempt to force <laughs> paramedics into a firefighter role, they were taking away all their hiring 
uh, like promotional opportunities. Mm. They were taking away just about everything they could. Any sort of like extra thing that they could do to like change it up a little bit, they took it all away for paramedics. Mm. So you were going to be a paramedic the rest of your life. And I, I wanted to do something, right? Yeah. I wanted to do something else other yeah. than just being in an ambulance the whole, my whole life, medic unit. So I was like, well, what the fuck am I going to do? And then I always, I've always considered policing. Yeah. And about, oh, it's almost been four years, three months now. I'm not counting or anything. But yeah. four years ago, I was like, all right, let's do it. I'm going to make the switch. So I switched. Nice. And, uh, Best you know, move? Yeah, I mean, like, so it was, there was, it, there's a lot of policing that I can, that I, I've, you know, like the Marine Corps prepared me for policing in a lot of ways, right? Because the Marine Corps are a bunch of douchebags for the most part. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> we love being douchebags, but like, we're just, you know, authoritative. We like to insert ourselves yeah. where we don't, yeah, you know, yeah. we're just, and, and I was a sergeant when I got out. So it was something where, you know, even at the age of 24, I was having to, you know, lay down the law and, and be yeah. a tough guy. So yeah. yeah, some of that stuck around. And then when, uh, when it was time to be a cop, it just sort of, I took what I, I learned from being a paramedic, which was how to like interact with somebody without pissing them off. Mm -hmm. And then I took yeah. what I learned from the Marine Corps, which was, all right, it's time to turn the switch on and yeah. fuck you up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think that combination worked well for me, right? So yeah. Yeah. And that was kind of what I wanted to do when I, when I came over, not only when I, I mean, like I had this like grand idea of how I was going to change policing. Cause I knew I could see it from the outside. Right. I could see where policing was, you know, struggling a little bit. Right. So I, uh, I did my best to, to figure out what it is that I could do and bring to the profession. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to just, you know, I wanted to be the change that I oh my I God. He's see. the guy from episode one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's did, that rookie. <laughs> I'm, I, I, I'm I willing to work any holiday and Thanksgiving know, and Christmas. I, I, I've and been around nine and a half years in the city. I do not want to work fucking holidays. All right, I do not want to do that shit. But I do want to be the ch I, like I do. I do want to be the change that I want to see. Right? Because I think yeah, that really. for the most part, a lot of people, yeah, a lot of cops don't know how to talk to people. Yes, you know they, yeah, they, they don't know how to relate. Yeah, I mean, they don't yeah. know how to talk to each other. Well, that's yeah. true too. Yeah, but even yeah. more importantly, they don't know yeah. how to talk to somebody. Even if it's criminal, people. right? Yes, correct. I don't talk to a criminal any differently than I talk to my mom, really. Yeah, I mean, exactly. I, who gives a shit? You did People some dumb, make dumb choices, shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that's right, bro. That is true because the medics really have a good way of talking to um, to suspects too. Like yeah. some of the greatest intel yes, that I've gotten yes, were from yes, great yes. medics, and I had the pleasure of working with Bobby when I was on the street, and um, he was always cool as shit, and he would always be like, "I'll talk to him. I'll talk. Let me close the let me close the doors. Let me talk to them." I'll get you their ID. I'll yeah. get you this. Always, I'll get you that. Yeah, I always appreciated what you guys did. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So yeah. I and I knew that your job could be difficult. So yeah, and it's cool as fuck to be on the side now. So yeah, it's you just, miss it. I don't miss that at all. The only thing really? I miss is the money. Yeah, the money's way better over there. Was it really? Yeah. Overtime. There's there's like guaranteed overtime. overtime. Like there's yeah. overtime built into your schedule, and if you want overtime, you just have to ask for it, and yeah. it comes in twelve and twenty four hour increments. Damn, son. Yeah. You just, Shit, you know, really? <laughs> yeah. And what was the schedule uh, you were working over there? Well, when I was working there, it was uh, we would do 24 on, and then I'd have 48 off, and then 24 on, and then I'd have four days off. Holy damn, bro. Yeah, right? That's Can you nice imagine shit. that? What the fuck is wrong? Why are you here, bro? Well, it's because they were changing all that. <laughs> no, okay, yeah. And they, they were taking that all away. And then, of course, I, you know, another part of me was that I wanted to be in a leadership role eventually, right? Yeah, no, because I, I wanted to Progression. Be, I got Yeah, you. and then they were taking that away. Yeah. And so... I was just like, no. Nah, the incentives just get less and less. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, I do miss the money. <laughs> mm. yeah. so. And on that note, let's take our first break. What are you doing? What are we taking with? <laughs> what the fuck is this? 
Oh, come on now. Do a good one. <laughs> Do a good one, bro. Hey. hey. It's Mike making breakfast on Sunday hey. for his kids. Hey. Hey, hey. Daddy. Daddy, look at this drawing I made. <laughs> look at that. Let it rock, bro. Let Which one are you? <laughs> <laughs> Why are you not wearing your name tag? <laughs> we'll be back, folks. As we watched our nation's first responders suffer, our team decided to take a stand. We formed the Araya Guardian Foundation Incorporated to provide real solutions to the mental health epidemic that is plaguing the men and women in uniform every day. With the war on police, lack of training, weak leadership, and poor morale, our responders are suffering on multiple levels. The mission of the Araya Guardian Foundation Incorporated is to provide programs and assistance to our men and women at any cost. We will only grow with the help of our community members' generous donations. Please visit tagfink.com, T-A-G-F-I-N-C.com to make your donation now. Be their first responder. They need you now more than ever. Save their lives because they would save yours. Visit tagfink.com to make your donation and help support the mission. Yeah, turn it up! Mike. (laughs) All right. Welcome back. All right. We're back from break. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dude, you got to let that thing rock a little bit, man. Oh, oh my God. This is like, like being a DJ on Z100. Yeah. Hey. Hey. All right. I happen oh. to pick the song that has the longest intro. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it All is. All right. So um, uh, really, really. Yeah. All right. So excited. <laughs> uh, we have uh, Sebastian on the phone. Sebastian. California, uh, an agency somewhere in California, a very small state. So good luck figuring that out. Um, Sam, we brought, I'm sorry, Sebastian, we brought you on the show. <laughs> um, uh, we want to talk about the mental health piece, internal mental health piece. And I know that's something that you, uh, you do, um, full time. Am I right? Yes, sir. Oh, all right. And I'm just, I'm, I'm happy to be of your guys' acquaintance, be it virtually, but uh, just been following the movement. Uh, super impressed with uh, what, you, what you guys are doing and, and the following that you've uh, gained so fast. So kudos to you guys both. I think thank you, bro. Thank you, man. Thank you. Thanks a lot coming from you, man. Appreciate that. I appreciate it. Um, so uh, can you kind of tell us some of the things that you're seeing when you're working with some of these officers with uh, on the mental health piece? Yeah, so, you know, I'm fortunate to get to work within a specialized unit, you know, and it's really the primary focus of what we do. But I'll tell you, you know, in my experience of doing this for the last 11 years, um, you know, there's there's kind of two tracks of officers that we've been really helping. And, and one of them is the officers that self-disclose, you know, they'll reach out to us on their own and say, hey, um, you know, I'm struggling. Uh, mm-hmm. Either I, I put my gun in my mouth this morning or... Oof. 
I put a little yeah. note on my window or my mirror and said, if you don't go to work today, uh, you might as well kill yourself. Yeah. Or I'm drinking 30 beers when I get home from work every single day. I need help. Hmm. We are very, very successful with helping that track of officers who self-disclose. They realize they're at rock bottom. They know they need help. Mm-hmm. The ones we're having problems with are the ones that are kind of referred to us internally because of uh, some type of behavioral issue. So maybe they got caught showing up to work a little drunk or mm-hmm. uh, maybe they're calling in too much or something's happened that's drawn attention. And now the department's saying, hey, uh, Sebastian, I need you to go reach out, uh, figure out what's going on with this officer uh, because there's issue. Mm-hmm. We, we don't we don't have as much success with that group because they haven't realized yet that they're at rock bottom. Yeah. And what we've noticed is that they're just going through the motions, checking the yeah. boxes, you know, like, yeah, tell me whatever I got to do. You want to send me to treatment? I'll go. You want me to go to therapy? I'll go. But they're all just going through the motions. And uh, sadly, you know, we're, we're losing more of those uh, usually to being fired because they come back, they're still getting in trouble. They haven't received the help and, uh, and then they're getting further punished for it all the way up to losing their job. So uh, it's unfortunate. And then obviously the suicides, you know, which is just rampant, you know, yeah. higher this year than ever before, continuing yeah. to climb. Uh, the numbers are staggering. It's incredibly sad. And I just hate the fact that the reality of our profession mm-hmm. is people are terrified to come forward because yeah. archaic policies within law enforcement agencies, they just don't know what to do. If someone hit says, the fucking nail on the head. a bad day. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cumulative stress is a real yes. thing. And yeah. so, hey, based on my five years, 10 years, 20 years of seeing the same shit over and over and over, um, I'm worn out yeah. and I need a timeout. But if I ask for that, you're going to bench me. You're going to yeah. take away my gun, yes. take away my badge, and I'm going to look like an idiot in front of everyone. And we don't do a good enough job supporting those people and encouraging them to come forward. So uh, anyway, sorry, I go off on my No, 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 no. Yeah, just, please you, do. You're, man. You're per, you, uh, one of my my questions was, you know, what's what's the major obstacle? But the, it sounds like the majority of the officers are afraid to come forward because they're afraid of the repercussions. They're they're afraid, you know, they're going to get labeled and and they're going to get yanked off the street. Right. You know, that, that's half of it. And then the other half of it is fear of I don't even know how to do it. Right. Right. It, 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 it's so simple, but it's terrifying when you think about if you've never done it before, how does one go about asking for help? Mm. Where do I go to? Yes. Who do I talk to? Can I trust them? What do I say? Um, I'm just having a bad day. Does that make me sound like I'm unable to do this job? Like, so how do I word it? You know, and it, we're afraid of using certain words. And so now automatically we're coming up with ways to kind of mask the truth. And so we're not even communicating the need for help effectively, which right. is part of the problem. So yeah. I, I have a question for you, uh, Sebastian. So my, my question is, is, I mean, you deal with this day in and day out. You're in a unit where you're dealing with officers with these issues. Are you finding right. a lot of the, the triggers or the stresses are internal within the department or the majority of them are their external problems like home life or is it 50 50? I, I love that question. And I'll tell you, it was interesting. I was, I was out at uh, NYPD uh, earlier this year in, in March. I think Perf was out there doing a suicide prevention yep. symposium. And, and um, you know, hearing the, the chatter and what people are talking about, but one of the police chiefs from one of the cities got up and he said, uh, you know, 
what we're finding is that a lot of the suicides are directly related to relationship issues. Hmm. And it was like, I wanted to flip the table over and, um, and stand up and scream and say, you're, you're missing the damn point. It's not the relationship issues. The relationship is what suffering is a byproduct yes, of absolutely. Yes. from work issues. Absolutely. Fuck yes. And <clears throat> and so because it's like officers, yeah, maybe maybe the moment they choose to kill themselves is an impulsive reaction to maybe a fight or a separation or a divorce or something like that. But why are they in that position in the first place? Because they're checked out, because yes. they're not present when they're coming home, because they don't know how to talk to their families about the shit that they just saw all day. Because they don't know how to talk to their kids or their spouse about uh, the amount of bullshit that they had to face all day long and be criticized and ridiculed. And, you know, so we come home trying to put on this happy face of like, no, all is well, I'm good. Um, now it's just another day, you know, same thing, different day. And it's all bullshit. Because, mm-hmm. again, we don't know how to talk about it. Yeah. And so so we get to this this boiling point where we implode and then we start really sucking in our relationships mm-hmm. and then it's easy to say like oh look it's because they're uh, they got a broken woman picker uh, it turns out that they uh, it's a bad relationship and that's why uh, they're so depressed yeah no we're, that's that is way after the fact you know and we we've got to be better about we got to be smarter about stop focusing on the behavior that's drawing attention to the problem and find out what's the roots underneath the behavior that's causing the problem yeah, and I, my, Mike and I, one of the one of the driving force forces for the roll call room podcast is is that we're driving the point home uh, with with leaders. We've had two episodes now of 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 leadership. Um, do you think currently across the United States, the leadership uh, as a whole is really prepared for the mass change in law enforcement and the direction that it's going? Not in the slightest. Okay. Wow. And yeah, and and I, it's a it's a sad sad reality. Mm-hmm. And um, I was talking about this just uh, last week with someone, and and uh, she's not even in law enforcement, but she senses my frustration because she's in a helping profession. Mm-hmm. And we talk about this, and and what she said to me really stuck with me. But I really believe it might be true. And she said, you know, Sebastian, um, sometimes we just have to outlive the dinosaurs. And it's like, well, damn, damn. you know, how, where's the so how, Yeah, how long is because, that? Yeah. Or exactly. When is the you know, meteor even, coming? Even with, right. <laughs> yeah. Even within, I'll tell you, even within the department where I'm at, they said, um, hey, we're not going to get to the chief or the deputy chiefs. What we need to do is hope to get to the sergeants because yeah. one day they're going to be the deputy chiefs. Yes. And I'm like, so you're telling me to hold on for seven to 10 years That's crazy. and hope that things are going to get better. Like what, how is that? Okay. Well, millennials like, and generation message. Yeah. When millennials and generation X entering the workforce, good luck with that. Cause they, their commitment is only two to five years. So that, right. so, so I have, I have a, I have a hypothetical slash question for you. Your, uh, Sebastian, you interview for the, the uh, police commissioner of the NYPD and you get it first day on the job they've already had 20 suicides you're a forward-thinking chief of police or, or police commissioner what's your first order of business that's a heavy question i know i just threw that on you no but it's a it's, it's a great one because so many of us love to do this uh if i was what would i do right yeah. and we put ourselves in these positions of how we would do things different and I think right away, you know, and this is something that I even asked for in my department with our chief, as I said, 
when I was having a meeting and I'm not deflecting from the question, I'll come back to it. But yeah. when I was having a meeting with, with my Lieutenant and, and captain, and I said, if the chief has these orders or these demands or these concerns or these issues, why can he not walk across the hall 80 yards and communicate those to us? Mm. Why do we have to operate in this like hierarchy, patriarchal bullshit formula mm. where it's like I, in order to talk to the chief, I've got to go through five people Ugh. and we've played this game of telephone growing up. You know right. how the message is going to get screwed up. Mm-hmm. And I'm not okay with that. I don't like the fact that we have this arbitrary bullshit. Oh, we've got an open door policy. No, you don't. No. And especially on, on a large department, you know, I know it's different with rural areas and you've got de- de- departments with, you know, 10 or 15 officers or deputies and they know the boss by first name and all this. Yeah. Very different. But when you look at any department, that's probably even mid-sized to large like you you go over i don't know a hundred a couple hundred especially up to the thousands it's almost impossible to communicate with the top for me i think what would be so important is actually meet face to face um i I thought about this driving home actually just yesterday and Mm -hmm. i said you know of all of our deputy chiefs and assistant chiefs i wonder when the last time any of them even spoke to a patrolman yeah. Whether yep. it be via email, just like, hey, uh, read this report randomly, saw you did this. Hey, good job. Keep up the good work. Do you know what that would do for morale? Yeah. Knowing that like uh, a high level leader actually sees them and but they're too busy up there, you know, warming their seats, moving chess pawns and pieces and um, making decisions on paper instead of like what actually works. And I think so many people forgot where they came from. Not only that, so much evolves over time, right? Look at your average police chief has probably at least 20 years of experience. Right. Mm -hmm. Think about how different law enforcement was 10 years ago, Mm, five years ago to to this year. And now those are the ones in charge of it. So there's such a huge gap. So for me, I think right away would be a message. I would spend probably my first week going to every precinct, the NYPD or throughout the city that I, that I could and reach as many of the 36,000 as I possibly could. Um, and I would say, Hey, look, things are going to be busy guys. We're in this fight together. I want you to know that you 100% have my support. I have your back. If you are struggling, if you are sad, if you are depressed, and if you're on the verge of suicide, please, please, please reach out. And they have a wellness unit. They have an EAP unit. They have peer support unit. They've got a lot of things in place. The problem is nobody's using so damn large. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and also at that same meeting, I heard a staggering, which I think is a, I think it's low, but they say it was a doctor. Dr. John Mann out of Columbia said that uh, they did this longitudinal study and they, they found that on average, uh, every police department or agency in this country has 10% of it suffering in silence from depression. Wow. And, and Commissioner O'Neill stands up and he says, wait a minute. He said, so you mean to tell me right now I have 3,600 officers on the streets that are depressed and not talking about it? Mm-hmm. And he said, conservatively. And he said, what the hell do I do with that? Yeah. And I think, again, that's the largest scale of it. But think about, again, departments of 100 or 200. You've got 10 or 20 people. Do you know who they are? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so for me, it would just it would have to be consist- consistency and message and then accessibility and presence. Yeah. Uh, I want you to see me. I don't want you to just hear about me, know about me. I want you to see me. I want you to have access to me. And I want to go out there and actually 
meet with the officers, right? Yeah. That needs to be priority because I think if our officers are happy, then they're going to do a better job making the community happy. Yeah. We have too many chiefs that are at the mercy of the community trying to appease every one of them and yes. all yes. the elected officials. And, you know, they forget the about external the customer, not the internal customer. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, <clears throat> that's, I mean, man, so much to talk about, so much to talk about and what you just said, because it's so true. Accessibility, man, just speaking volumes as unit one right. to come down and talk to your guys one-on-one, not about sending these bullshit ass emails and saying, Oh, we're here. We're right. here. Do this here. Well, you didn't take the employee wellness quiz. No, it's not about that. It's not about that. It's yeah. more than that. You got people's lives on the line here. Lives on the line. I can, I can tell you, honestly, I have not seen my chief in person in over two years. Oh, wow. God. But how yeah, do we get to that, that point, though? I mean, like, what is it? Is it just like busy doing other things, like appeasing everyone outside or not paying attention to your house? I, I couldn't tell you. I have no idea. Wow. <laughs> I have no That's idea. Crazy but memories. you would think, especially on a unit like ours, that there's so much good in the community that's constantly getting praised. Nobody's getting in trouble. No one's using force. No one's no like we're not doing anything that's drawing anything negative to the department. All we get is praise. We get accolades. We get community support. And everyone loves us. And we have not gotten as much as like a, hey, guys, keep up the good work. I like, wonder if it's just and, a checkoff and, and, and box it's not for about him. that, but just the fact that we haven't even seen him. I yeah, think that is like a huge He's problem. absent, man. He's yeah, absent. That's, that's not leadership. That's terrible. That's not leadership in the slightest bit. That's management all the way. Yeah. Hey, you're, you're, you know, yeah. you're in your unit. Good job. You're doing your job. Good job. You're doing what you're supposed to do. Right. What do you want me to do? That's weak leadership. That's management. Yeah. That's ridiculous, yeah. dude. That's ridiculous. And then they wonder why this is so bad, yeah. why this is an epidemic. Right. But I, I actually uh, had a question for you. So how do you actually, when you're doing all this stuff, you said you've been doing it 11 years. So how are you gauging this? What has gotten worse? What's gotten better? What do you, what do you see like from your, from your size side? Yeah, I, I try. I think it might be a self-protective measure, honestly, but I, I try and be a serial optimist and, and see everything um, from a positive lens. And I think I think that's important, again, just for self-preservation for me. But I really do think that there is hope, even though, you know, it, it's I was I was uh, just talking about this recently where I said <clears throat> the golden gap right now, if we can discover what's actually happening because we have more access to resources nationally, locally, virtually. There's a, there's text lines, there's call lines. There's, there's more access to resources right now than there's ever been in the history of our job. Yeah. And yet the, the number of suicides is higher than it's ever been. Why is that? Mm-hmm. And if we can address that, if mm-hmm. we can figure out what that is, because it's like, as we continue to, um, try and close the gap or we, as we try and continue to reach out to people and encourage them and say, Hey, you know, we're here for you. I promise you like, and we operate under confidentiality, which is a huge thing in law enforcement because it's like, nah, that shit doesn't exist. You know, no one believes it. Um, and so when we can, the problem is, is because we are confidential every time we help an officer, it's like the first time because they don't know about the previous 150, 300 successes we've had. Yeah, because we don't go around touting it. Right. And so they think like, oh, you don't know what you're doing. You've never helped out anyone before. You've never seen a problem like mine. And I can tell you, we have dealt with every 
level of problem there is, right? I mean, from weapons involved to substance abuse involved to, uh, you know, those scenarios I was pointing out earlier are all real things. I had one guy with 21 years on tell me that um, that he would put, put his gun in his mouth every day and oh. and dry fire it just to Jesus. practice thinking about what it would be like. And, uh, you know, it's like, mm. how are these acceptable, you know, things to cope with? And so we, we wow. I, I do have hope, though, that we're getting more because I'll tell you, we're getting busier and busier and busier from that first track of officers who are coming to us and self self-disclosing, saying, hey, man, I, I need help. Like, I don't know what the hell's going on. I'm at rock bottom. I'm afraid of myself. I don't trust being alone. I got to get help. And that's, that for me is super, super rewarding because I know that they're at a place where they're willing and they're open and they're going to be receptive to whatever it is that I recommend. And, and we, again, we are so successful at getting them back to work after they're stabilized. Maybe they need some time, they need medication, therapy, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. But oftentimes it's just time. We just need to take a time out. But so many of us, we take time off just to go and uh, do dumb stuff like cheat on our spouse or drink or uh, we, we we go do things that we shouldn't be doing anyway, which just cause more stress. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think going back to your point and what you said is that we have all these services um, that, you know, are, are, you know, people before us that, that walked in these same shoes and wore these same shields is the fact that there's no trust in this leadership. There's no trust in our leadership. You cannot lead without trust. So how are you going to expect a guy to be vulnerable with you if he doesn't trust you? Yeah. There's none of that. If you if you're a chief and you don't fucking see the guy for two years, then how are we supposed to the only reason why they're coming for it is because they trust in you. They trust in the program. And they've and seen and, and heard what you guys have done for other people. Yeah. You know? Yeah. yeah. Like Sebastian, hey, I, I trust what you're saying, but I don't trust the process of what's going to happen after you leave me. Yeah. And that's a real, that's a real concern. That's scary. That's scary. You know, one thing that we, uh, we learned from this podcast and again, uh, we're on our four and a half week, uh, about five weeks now. And, and I'm astounded. And just peak 10,000 views. Let's pause for success. Oh yeah. 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 Sound guy, intro clapping music. (laughs) 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 Uh, I, I am the sound guy and everything. Uh, so, uh, you know, I'm always, I always screenshot these and send them to to Mike. We I cannot even tell you, Sebastian, how many inbox messages I'm getting. I want to read you one particular. Uh, I got this on uh, Instagram. It says, uh, "Just want to say, absolutely love you guys and your content. I'm in uh, I'm in that 15 year slump and catching word that your podcast is from uh, catching word of your podcast from a therapist uh, could not have come at a better time." Uh, she told me everything I have been telling her sounds just like the podcast. I subscribed and began listening and was hooked in minutes, smiled ear to ear and LOL'd as I drove down the road listening. Thank you for keeping it real and spreading the word. Um, if you're ever in and I'll leave his state um, blank, please let me know. Proudly spreading the word of your podcast. Stay safe. Uh, Sebastian, I've got like almost a hundred of these. Um, right. I mean, I, I know this. You're, you're in the right track. Man. Yeah. And, and and I'm wondering whether or not current leadership is welcoming of stuff like this, like this kind of this kind of podcast. Like, 
is this no. maybe something that we need? Is 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 a podcast like this where we're having these open conversations <clears throat> and even civilians listening to it? Are we telling them any secrets that shouldn't be told? No, I don't think there's any secrets that shouldn't be told. I think again, why I think it's such a great medium to use is because it's a great place to start because people are more willing. Look at look at um, what happened with social media. Yeah. We've got a thirty percent suicide increase just nationally, not not even within law enforcement, just as a society. And you can absolutely attest that a big percentage of that increase is because of accessibility to information and we'll call it what it is, punk-ass people yes. who are bullying people yeah, on the other bullies. side of a screen. Yes. We no longer have to face people and and say things face about the repercussions. Anymore. We can hide behind screens. Sebastian, the positive of that. Yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, the, the positive of that is now when you're talking about trying to undo something that we have learned, which is suppression, you know, keep your mouth shut, don't emote, uh, mm-hmm. don't share how you're feeling. Uh, this is a great way to actually start doing that because I can tell you the reason he sent that email and whatever struggles he's going through is he is absolutely connecting with your guys's vulnerability, your authenticity. He's realizing that you are just two regular cops who get it. You've done the job, you're doing the job, and you absolutely can experience, feel, know what all of the first responders are are feeling and experiencing throughout this country. Mm -hmm. And so being able to drive home in your car, and I've experienced the same thing, right? You're just driving down the road, mindlessly listening to this, and the shit is hysterical. And it's funny, and it's it's witty. It it hits home. It makes sense. It's not just, you know, it's not, you're not wasting time. You're absolutely serving a purpose. And what I really love about it is that it's not just for first responders. The fact that a clinician uh, recommended that means that you guys are doing exactly what you should be doing because uh, this is medicine. That blew, right. Yeah, that that was the part that blew me blew me away was the therapist part. And when you were saying about yeah. bullying, I was I was smirking and, and Mike Mike caught me and just started shaking his head because you would think internally where where we work that this would be supported and, yeah. and welcomed by officers. I'm not talking about the chief or the upper upper echelon. It is right. it is not. It is it is a daily walk past people and hear whispers and giggles. Um, which is, is terrible. And this is the reason why people are not getting not, help. Not the majority, the minority. The minority. The minority. Uh, uh, let me yes. let me back up. The minority are doing that. The people that don't matter. The people that still are the first ones it. calling us when they have problems. Right. But they're still clicking on it Steve's. listening to it. Yeah, yeah the, the Steve's. Steve's. Right. The Steve's. And, and they're still listening to it. So they're listening to it to make fun of it. One, thank you for the listening. <laughs> and, and two, you're a fucking idiot. Like, I, I just don't know... I went on a ramp last episode, and I promised I wouldn't bring it up again. But you touched on the bullying aspect. It's just frustrating. It's frustrating, man, because me and me and Nick talked about this offline, and the conclusion we came is because we're two we're fixers, like we said in the episode before, and we're passionate about this because we're personally invested in this. Because mm-hmm. how do you right. not care for the lifeline that's next to you when you're on the street together? Enough to actually care about this guy's mental health, about this guy's family, about this guy's personal relationship, about a relationship with him as a friendship. How do you not care about that stuff, that things that need to be addressed, things that bother each other? And everyone just puts shit on the back burner like nothing fucking matters, bro. Yeah. Like, it, like it's like you know, it's funny. You know, it's funny. It's ridiculous. At, at the funeral. Yeah, yeah exactly. You know what? And the, and, exactly. and the thing about it is, is unfortunately, we've had a couple of suicides and you'll see those people in the back row 
and 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 they're they're in the agency snickering and making jokes. It's just, it's 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 downright. Man, I had a I had um we had a suicide and I remember I remember the officer before he had committed suicide, we had there was a commander that came up to him and asked him something and he told him straight up, dude, I'll never forget this. I only had like a couple years on it. He was like, Listen, man, he's like, I don't even like you. I don't want to talk to you. Damn. I don't respect you. Mm-hmm. And he walked away from him. And I couldn't he was like, Man, I'm not fake like like these commanders are. I'm not I don't do that. Man. And I had so much respect for the guy. Got and then Obviously, he took his life months later, but I, I, I couldn't, you know, but then this commander was at the, at the funeral, like, oh, you know, seeing this guy. I'm like, this guy didn't like you, man. He didn't want anything to do with you, man. Literally. Like, like, literally. I was there when he told you to go fuck yourself, you know, but it's just, it's the culture, man. It's culture. That's all it comes down to. Sebastian, I got a quick question for you. As, As the representative of fire here. I noticed that the numbers for fire are also up too. I just saw it and they're both at record numbers. Huh. So do you think yep. that's a, 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 you know, is that a, 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 is it representative of the fact that there's just more people in fire and more people in police and that, you know, with more people in both professions, you're going to have more people killing themselves. Or do you think it really is just a general like public safety issue? Hey, Sebastian, before you answer yeah, that, that's a really good, yeah, question. that's a really we good question. We're going to, we're going to take a break and then we're going to come back and okay. we'll be back right back with Sebastian. All right. Hey, it's Terry and Claire and welcome to drunk medical stories, a podcast where two women who definitely aren't doctors discuss wild medical stories with the aid of medicinal beverage of the boozy variety this podcast is rated explicit for language and adult content and we also do recommend a strong stomach as we will be discussing the occasional graphic medical condition such as hashtag assfish don't treat syphilis with malaria you will learn why you never go from zero to mango hashtag drunk ass <laughs> Yes. So if you're interested in two women getting drunk and giggling uncontrollably over medical stories found on Reddit, this is the podcast for you. So come on, come over to Drunk Medical Stories, have a laugh, a drink, and you could learn something. And if you would like more content, check us out on our Facebook group, Drunk Medical Stories Podcast, and we're on Twitter at DMS Pod. In a teaser, you should at least give something away. All I'm going to say is that it involves a frozen fish that went up somebody's rectum, then thawed, and could not come back out. And I just want you to picture that person on their stomach with the tail of a fish sticking out of their rectum. And if that doesn't make you laugh, this podcast probably isn't for you. If it does make you laugh, I highly recommend tuning in. The Drunk Medical Stories. There's a few songs to get me going like that. Yeah. I'm so glad I thought of that song. Oh, yeah. Good uh, good, good thought, Nick. Thanks, Damn. Thanks, bud. Thank you. Is that uh, what you guys oil each other up at the firehouse and turn that up? <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Get some. I knew it was coming. I knew it was coming. I'm, I'm ready for it. I'm ready for it. I just... I, uh, I all right. Answers. Well, well we're back. Jealous from, my muscles don't look like we're, <laughs> lay off the juice, will you? <laughs> we're back from uh break and we're still on with uh Sebastian. It's just uh, it, yeah, sorry, it, it's, serious it's, topic. It's going good. Um, Bobby, you had a question, 
yeah, yeah great question to reiterate it was it was just that you know i saw the fire and police saw record numbers last year mm-hmm. so i just didn't know if you thought that was indicative of just greater numbers in both professions or if that was just like a, an epidemic is that is it because we are on social media is it because you know there, there's more scrutiny in both professions i mean what are your thoughts on that or is it compassion fatigue yeah, I think it's I think it's layered, and I, I mean I think it's a safe assumption to say well because population or because numbers increase then naturally you're going to have an increase. Uh, some are saying because again the citizen population that's gone up thirty percent that we're we're actually in line with that, and so that's what's going on. Again, I, I don't I, I honestly don't know that it if the reason why matters so much is the fact that it just is, mm. and I can tell you that for me what I believe it is just from what I see, what I experience. And again, this is on the police and fire side. And so I, I have to be careful about just saying law enforcement and I'm trying to use first responder more because we really do serve both. But I really think it's one and the same, right? At least where we're at, we're all responding to the same calls and, and you can tell me about yours, but you know, here it's 24 on 48 off for paramedics and the, and the fire guys do 24 on, uh, 72 off. But either way, if we know anything about the sleep epidemic that's actually happening in this country right now and, and how much sleep we're not getting, that is a direct correlation to the suicide increase, which has been proven. And if you think about the lack of sleep that's happening in the fire profession, especially, um, I think that's a huge problem. And just because you get two days off doesn't mean that you're not working overtime one of those two days. Oh, we're, um, we're getting paid for shit because so you guys are all you know, overtime gotta, whores as well. Yeah, it's just the, so, the side hustle's got to happen no matter where you are. Right, absolutely, and so, and because people don't realize that oh. that's actually where we make money. You know, our base salaries are kind of weak for what it is that we're doing. It's we have to work overtime or extra shifts uh, to actually earn and make livable wages sometimes. Mm-hmm. And but I think it's the I, I really think it's exposure, it's cumulative stress. And then I think it's lack of outlet, right? Human beings were never meant to consume the things that we consume in this profession. Mm. You were never meant to see dead babies, decapitated mm. children, uh, decapitated adults. We were never, our brains have not evolved mm-hmm. to process or deal with the amount of trauma that we deal with in the first responder profession. Yeah. And one of the studies supports that on average, uh, uh, first responders in a 20-year career will respond to 188 traumatic events, which are wow. high-level deemed traumatic events, and the average citizen will respond to zero in wow. 20 years. And we're going to see 188 of those. Where in the hell do we go to process that? Wow, right. If not therapy, wow. which I'm a huge advocate of. But, you know, so I think it's, and, and again, the culture has historically supported this idea of we keep it in-house. We don't talk about it. We drink about it. We laugh about it. We make fun of it. We suppress it and we move on and we repeat. And I think people are starting to finally wake up and realize that that shit does not work, which is why also the retiree population is huge at risk. Yeah. And these guys are and girls are retiring and they have lost their damn minds. Yeah. They're depressed. They're addicted. They're suicidal. They're, they've lost their way because um, all of that exposure is suddenly done and they're like i can't sleep i don't want to eat i'm angry all the time i'm irritable i hate everybody and again like how can we blame them they haven't processed everything that they've experienced 
And so I think it's all of that kind of layered. I mean, you, I mean, wow, man, this is, this is crazy because I've been thinking about this stuff like nonstop, like this week when we start to incorporate more mental health stuff into our stuff, because that, at the end of the day, that's our mission. But we had like, we know everyone knows that it's law enforcement's dirty little secret is that more officers die by their own gun than guns in the street. I had no idea right. about this thing with firefighters, bro. I just had no idea. So you can even imagine the means that they're doing it because they're not accessible to firearms as much as we are. You know what I mean? Even though they do, right. you know, they could get a firearm, but holy shit, I had no idea that was like a thing. But also when you're talking, I'm thinking about the, you're saying we're going to get, um, you're going to get 188 exposures to this in a 20 year period. However, what, think about the calls for service that like the, the, uh, you know, founding father, so to speak, before our profession walked into it, are they dealing with the active shooters? Are they dealing with the 30% spike in, um, deaths, uh, suicides? Are they dealing with the spike in juvenile suicides? And we're the ones going into these fucking calls for service, dude. We're constantly being, right. um, exposed, <clears throat> excuse me, to these things. And, and then the only down, the only decompression we have is with one another. Yeah. And yeah. then there's no formal. Right. But I was thinking when you were talking too, is that we all had to get a mental health screening when we started the job. But the, when's the last time they've which, ever done one of those <laughs> for us up till yeah, now? Which, yeah, well, check this out. So that usually they use the MMPI. They said that um, of the officers that take the MMPI to get onto their agency, if they were to take that same test five years later, more than 80% would fail it. Holy shit. Wow. Yeah. So I will yeah, see it, pink elephants across the street. <laughs> Isn't that one of the questions? See, Do you see pink elephants across the street? See, and Sebastian, that's the reason why they don't want to they don't yeah. want to turn PTSD into a workers' comp injury. Yeah. Yes. They yes. pay through the oh, ass. Yeah. They pay through you, the ass. You lose 35% of your Hands down. And then uh, 10 of, 10% of that are going to be the uh, the scammers, um, sure. you know, which well, is- Well, you might lose 45. And yeah, yeah. So. 30. Accurate and ten or being, yeah. Man, well, now, I mean, now, now going back to my point, what I just said as far as like uh, everything else goes, the other thing is, is um, shit, man, I forgot what I was gonna say. Is that too much alcohol? No, 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 no. It, oh, it's Bobby's stomach, dude. I forgot. No, it's not that either, dude. Man, I forgot. It was a good point too, but I don't know. I, I I'm just fat. I'm just amazed by these firefighter well, numbers, I, I dude. I couldn't. I'll, I'll try and pick up because something came up for me when you were talking, but. I absolutely think the job has changed. And if you look at. Yes, that was my uh, point. That as, was, yes. mm -hmm, right. Good. As, as you said, you know, kind of the forefathers, if you look back, this, this profession truly used to be like community service providers. We were actually. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And that was my point. Feet. The they fucking would, hatred towards yes. law enforcement right now. How much that right. accounts would, for this. They would drive around with their windows down and like, Hey, Bob, how's it going? Yeah. Sandy, what's happening? Now we are like windows yeah. up. Fuck you. Hell yeah. Like, yeah, freaking, um, I was just in, uh, I was in a city and, and they got their, like, their windows are like ballistic plated. And it's like, Jesus, Jesus Christ. Um, so we, we are removed from the community yeah. now. And, yes. and, and because again, now I know that it really does get embellished some. It's, it's a, it's a fact. It's a reality for sure. But media plays a huge role in kind of over sensationalizing the amount of hatred towards us because I think, also, there's a huge population of people that just don't give a shit uh, one way or another. And we have to remember that so many people will go through their whole life without ever calling a cop. 
and never needing a cop in their life. Yeah. yeah. But in law enforcement, we focus on the minutia because that's the subset of the population we're dealing with, which again, who's calling the police? Some people for emergency and everyone else is for some bullshit. And then inevitably we show up, we handle it wrong. It leads to a complaint or someone's going to criticize us. And then you've got, uh, you know, people sitting in some boardroom looking at a video in 2D saying, oh, yeah, no, he shouldn't have said that cuss word. Or yeah, it yeah. looks like you hit him one too many times. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You, let's, let's write him up. And it's like, what the shit, man? So now we've become our own worst enemy. Yes. Because there's so much pressure trying to save face or lawsuits and, and public shame that we will hang an officer out to dry quick as shit yeah. um, instead of facing the, the wrath of the community. And, and, and those are just sad realities as well. You know, where if an officer has makes a, a poor choice and a split second decision, um, the department will be like, sorry, you fucked up. And now we're going to make a case of you because we don't want the public yes. mad at us. Yes. And yeah, it's like, yes. Jesus, if a hundred yes. people are in that same position, probably 99 of them would have done the same thing. Yeah. But everyone wants to tell us how we should do our job when they can't imagine one minute of one day in the life of the job. You know, just a, a point to your media sensationalism stuff. It's it's actually pretty weird to me that since I've switched over, because I came from fire, right? I was over at fire for five and a half years. I was just talking about this. Since I've come over to police, I actually get thanked more often than I did as a paramedic. Really? Really? Yeah, way more often. I never got thanked as a paramedic. Hmm. And now, like, wow. you'll have people come up to me randomly at Starbucks. Not Starbucks. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but no, I'll be, we'll I'll, I'll be out, right? And, uh, and people, and I think they, that there's a, a subset or maybe even a large group of people that, that feel the need to like offset the, the hatred yeah. by coming up and saying, Hey, thank you for what you do. Yeah. I get that way right. more often now, way more often. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, all right. Well, uh, Sebastian, I got one more thing go ahead, real go quick ahead, for Sebastian. So what do you recommend? What do you, what do you want our listeners to take away more than anything else? What's your, what's your message to them? And we're definitely going to have you on again, but just to kind of set the tone to end this episode. Yeah, I think uh, self-care is real. It, it does not like there's, it doesn't have to be foo-foo and weird and no one's telling you to, um, you know, turn to yoga or Zumba and that's going to change your life. But Bobby. If, if you can absolutely understand what self-care is and, um, and figure out what that means for you. But here's what I tell people, uh, especially first responders. If, if, Imagine you have your worst day. What is it that you do when you get home or when you're alone to deal with that day? And would you do that thing you're doing to help you get through the shit in front of your chief and in front of your spouse? Mm. If the answer is yes, then you're probably, that's a healthy coping strategy. If the answer is no, then you know it's wrong. So then what do you do? And yeah. I think we have to be honest with ourselves and check in because so many of us do things in the dark that we, that we believe no one knows about so that it's not hurting anyone mm-hmm. and it's killing us. Yeah. And uh, hopefully the next time I'm on, I can talk a little more specifics about some issues, but I'll tell you, like, there's a huge um, problem with porn addiction in this mm. profession. Really? And they think, well, because I'm watching it at home or because no one knows about it, it's not a big deal. But science has routinely supported the fact if you have two brains next to each other and one consumes porn and the other consumes cocaine, the brain on porn is far worse. And now think about the amount of hours that we're doing this for some people. They just waste their whole day or their whole day off 
or they're hiding it and they're doing it on their way home or whatever. Um, and they don't understand how traumatizing it is for their brain because they're thinking, well, no one's getting hurt by it. So self-care is real. If you're doing it in the dark, you've got to bring it to the light or get rid of it. And you've got to find healthy coping strategies. Therapy is awesome. Yeah. Find a good therapist. You've got to learn to process through some shit because it's not normal what it is that you're going through and have positive relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Because positive emotions and positive relationships fuel resiliency. And if you have negative self-talk and if you're like, everything sucks, it's always going to be terrible. I hate the department. I hate the chief. I hate these people. I hate this. Like you're going to be a miserable soul. Yeah. And so you've got to find, you've got to find your own like light and, and, and remember that positive self-talk helps therapy helps and, and do things outside, you know, yeah. get off the couch, get out of your favorite chair, go get some vitamin D, do some shit in nature, take your shoes off, walk around barefoot for a while. Uh, it's easy for me to stay in California, but, uh, you should try it out uh, yeah. unless you're up in the Northeast and it's snowing <laughs> and I don't know what to tell you. All right. All right. <laughs> Sebastian, I mean, listen, dude, I, I can't thank you enough. Yeah. Sebastian, I, I'm man. just blown away. I, blown away, man. Blown just, away. So Take much. us to a whole nother level. Yeah, right? and, and we got to have you on again, man. Yeah, we're I, gonna do a two part series, I or hope, three or four, I, or whatever. I definitely, Beautiful. I definitely hope you enjoyed yourself uh, on here because um, powerful stuff, man. Yeah. Powerful. I think we're gonna wind up having to release this tomorrow, man. That's yeah. how powerful yeah, it is. I look yeah. forward to it, guys, and uh, I, I can't stress it enough, man. I think what you guys are doing is a great example of uh, self care because you know it's rewarding. Your inbox is filling up with people appreciating you. You've got to put your blinders on at work around the fucking haters who are, yeah. let's be honest. I mean, they're just, they're absolutely envious of the fact that you guys are doing something cool. Mm -hmm. And right now what they're doing, if they're not at work is probably sitting at home with their fat ass selves, with their Cheetos fingers, miserable, <laughs> um, just hoping that their, uh, their wife's going to leave them and they can get back to work because that's where they feel most safe. Yeah. So keep doing exactly. what you're doing. Guys. Amen, man. I love it. <clears throat> Amen, yeah, I look forward to uh, connecting with you guys after this. All right, man. Stay safe, Sam. Take it easy, bud. All right, man. You know I'm a dreamer, but my heart's a gold. I had to run away high so I would come home low. Just when things went right. Doesn't mean they were always wrong Just take this song All right, fans, thanks so much for tuning in to another great episode of The Roll Call Room. I want to remind you that uh, we are on YouTube. Go on our YouTube channel and subscribe. We're also on Twitter at Roll Call Room. We're also on Facebook at Roll Call Room Podcast. We're also on Instagram. Uh, we're always asking for you guys to go on iTunes and rate us a five-star with a comment. Um, helps us climb the charts. Uh, don't forget to check out bluehelp.org. Uh, if you're struggling out there um, and you need somebody to talk to, we highly recommend them. Don't forget about our nonprofit, um, tagfink.com. Uh, we got some great shows coming up soon. And uh, we love hearing from you guys. So please email us at nick at rollcallroom.com or mike at rollcallroom.com. And always take care of each other, look out for each other, and check on each other. <laughs>